The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. Welcome to the Pirate Radio Podcast, featuring special guests discussing a wide range of topics and personal stories. Now, inside the Pirate Radio studio, here's your host, Jonathan Ellerby. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the debut of a new series we are starting called the Pirate Radio Podcast. The Pirate Radio Podcast will be featured on our airwaves as well as archived online at PR927FM.com. In our first episode, I will talk to a guy with a heck of a story. Damon West is a former starting college quarterback at the University of North Texas that was sentenced to life in prison, but has since transformed his life based on a simple lesson to create a positive change called the coffee bean. But before we get to Damon, here's a little background on him and a news story from KTRK-TV in Houston. It's a rare time to get a second chance in life, but there is no redemption story quite like this one. This former college football player was sentenced to life in prison, but not only turned things around behind bars, but managed to get out, taking on a new purpose to help others. I played college football in North Texas, so it's natural to be able to tell the story to college football players because there's not another story like this out there in America. An injury in a game versus A&M ended Damon West's playing career in 1996. A few years later, while he was training to become a stockbroker in Dallas, he got hooked on meth. I smoked that drug one time and I was up for four days and it took no time for me to lose everything. I gave up my job, my house, my car, my savings, my family, my tethering to God, everything. He and his dope fiend friends started stealing to get their fix. Eventually, we start breaking into houses in the uptown neighborhood of Dallas where I was living at the time when I was a broker. And uh, I made a lot of victims. Dubbed the Uptown Burglar, he was arrested in 2008 and convicted of organized crime. He was sentenced to life, but paroled in about seven years. It's a God thing. Thanks to his AA sponsors, he's been going around the country sharing his story with student athletes. As it just mentioned in the news story there, Damon has been going around the country sharing his story. And one of the teams and programs that Damon has had an impact on is Clemson University. Here is what Coach Dabo Sweeney had to say about Damon's visit after his talk to the Tigers. Hey, everybody. Uh, Dabo Sweeney here, Clemson football. Uh, I got to tell you, I've been at Clemson 15 years. And uh, we just had a guy speak to the team tonight by the name of Damon West. And just easily one of the top most powerful uh, messages that I've ever heard. Uh, unbelievable presentation and really uh, a message that, that all teams should hear. Uh, uh, just watching my team and how he captured them was priceless. And uh, the message that he delivered uh, was so relevant and right on, it was authentic and right on point. So uh, Damon West, great story and uh, very inspirational. Damon West has quite a story, and I hope you enjoy our conversation that starts right now. Very special guest joining us today. He's now a uh, very famous and great motivational speaker and author. You may have heard of his books, The Coffee Beam, The Change Agent. I've read both of his books. They're, they're very fascinating. And uh, Damon West joins us on Pirate Radio. Uh, welcome. How are you doing, Damon? Thanks for your time. Jonathan, I'm well, man. Thank you for your time, man. Your time is the most valuable thing you have, for you to want to spend it with me, man, I'm honored, brother. And, you know, you said you become famous. I tell people all the time, I'm not famous, and it's easier to become infamous than it is to become famous. I've proved that. 
Well, Damon, uh, your story <laughs> is is the I, I tweet I read your book, The Change Agent, and I've read the, the other book, The Coffee Bean. We'll touch on both, but uh, The Change Agent: How a Former College Quarterback Sentenced to Life in Prison Transformed His World. I, I said it's perhaps one of the most powerful, inspirational, and fascinating books I've ever read. I grabbed your book on a Friday evening, and I could not put it down. I, I would wake up in the middle of the night, and and I would read it, and, I, and just I, I had to finish it. I mean, it was. It became just like a job to wow. me and it, i mean it was just I, I think it was just one of these things that was just so powerful your story of where you were as a person how you went from as it says in the in the title of the book a starting quarterback at north texas you worked in politics you uh, were training to be a stockbroker i mean you came from a well-to-do family i mean at one point sports fans i mean your, your dad was friends with jimmy johnson's you were in the locker room when jimmy johnson said how about them cowboys and then uh, yeah. you got a life sentence in prison uh, damon uh, catch everybody up to how you went from kind of a golden boy to kind of a guy that was a life sentence in prison you know, I think the easy and but hey, before we get started, man, that blows me away to hear you say all that stuff about my book, man. I'm I'm just I'm honored, man. I'm, I mean, it, I've never written a book before, so it was the first time doing something like that. And honestly, I didn't even know how my book would be received, but to hear that makes me feel really good about the product, you know, that I finished with, man. So thank you, John. I really appreciate that. So to sum it up, I mean, in a nutshell, you know, what went wrong with me? You know, it can be broken down into two words, man, substance abuse. And, and substance abuse, uh, so many people are impacted by substance abuse in this country. And the thing about with me is I started at an early age. I started drinking beer, smoking a little pot, and that was that led to a bad belief system. And I tell these college athletes and pro athletes and high school athletes everywhere I go that a bad belief system tells you to do something the wrong way over and over again. And the longer you hold on, to a bad belief system, the harder it is to get rid of. And my bad belief system at 10 and 12 years old said, man, all you're doing is drink a little beer, smoke a little pot. You're not really hurting anybody. You're not even hurting yourself. But, you know, I couldn't have been more wrong. I took that belief system with me to college when I played in North Texas. As a, you know, I was a starting quarterback. And when I got hurt against Texas A&M in 1996, I was 20 years old, and football is gone. It's a race for my life because the injury sets me back for good. And, you know, I got a bad belief system. And at that, you know, at that point in my life, I started doing the hardcore drugs after that. You know, cocaine, ecstasy pills, you name it. And um, I graduated from college somehow, went to work in Congress, worked for a guy running for president. And in 2004, I'm a stockbroker in Dallas. And I'm introduced to meth for the first time. And, and methamphetamine, Jonathan, is the most evil, most addictive, most destructive drug ever created by man. And, you know, from the first time I smoked that drug, I was instantly hooked. And I gave everything away to, you know, because of my addiction. I went from working on Wall Street to living on the streets of Dallas, breaking into people's cars, people's storage units, and eventually breaking into people's houses. And these burglaries that, uh, that myself and others committed against the people of Dallas, they went on for three years. They called them the Uptown Burglaries. And after three years of committing crimes against the people of Dallas, a Dallas SWAT team on July 30th, 2008, they put an end to the Uptown Burger. They took me down to the dramatic raid in this apartment I was living in. And that's really where I start the story out when I'm speaking to a college team or a pro team. It's that SWAT team raid. Because when a guy comes in that looks like me, a little 
you know, my guy like me comes in, clean cut guy. The last thing they're expecting to say is I'm sitting on the couch smoking meth with my meth dealer and a flashbang grenade comes through the window. I've got their attention with it. And that's the thing, the story, it grabs people from all different levels, you know, because, you know, John, I came from a great family. I came from good people. My dad, you said, was a sports, you know, he was a sports writer, the first one in that part of Texas to put black athletes on the front page of a sports page. I mean, it was 1971 the first time it happened. So, you know, my parents were, you know, very good people, heavily involved in civil rights. So I go on to, you know, go on to be arrested. You know, we're back now we're the, after the SWAT team raid. I got arrested, thrown in Dallas County Jail, and went to trial 10 months later in a jury. I mean, they listened to six days of trial, man. And overwhelming evidence of my guilt, that jury sentenced me to life in prison, 65 years. And it was at that moment, though, Jonathan, that I had a conversation with my mother that changed the path that I was on because she gave me a direction, uh, an order. And after the trial was over, my parents got one last visit with me, five minutes after the trial, and my mom is telling me, you know, the debts and lights made to be paid. She said that I owe a debt to her, my father and her. She said, and here's the debt you're going to pay to us. When you go to prison, you will not get in one of these white hate groups, one of these Aryan Brotherhood type gangs, because you're scared because you're the minority in there. She said, that's not going to work. You were never raised to see race, and you won't start now. And she's reminded me, Port Arthur, Texas, where I grew up. Jonathan is a, a giant milky pot of a city. I mean, it, I grew up being one of the only white guys at summer parties, birthday parties, a predominantly black town. And so she's reminding me of my roots, and she's telling me, you know, David, you can't get one of these gangs. She said, you come back as the man we raised, or don't you come back at all? Yeah, Damon, I, th- I, th- I thought that was uh, one of the most powerful parts of, of your book. That five minutes you got to spend with your mom after what you call was uh, rock bottom when the jury came back and uh, gave you 65 years to life. Yeah, man, it was, you know, and that's the thing. And it, it's weird how things happen in life and what you remember from a traumatic episode. Like in that courtroom, when I got sentenced to life in prison, the first thought that went through my head is uh, I can never vote again because felons can't vote. I don't know where that came from, but I, maybe a life, you know, working my life in politics. But it sped up, man. And my mom having that conversation kind of crystallized what just happened because I think I was still in shock from it. And I went back to my pod in Dallas County Jail. And I started asking all the guys in County Jail how I was going to survive it. You know, and, and I was telling these guys I can't get to a gang, and everybody I'm talking to is telling me you have to get to a gang. And that's where this guy named Mr. Jackson comes into the story, man. He, this older black guy, man, he's probably in the 60s. And he's telling me, he's like, look, man, imagine prison as a pot of boiling water. And he said, anything we put in that pot of boiling water is going to be changed by the heat and the pressure inside that pot. And he said, I want to put three things in that pot of boiling water, a carrot, an egg, and a coffee bean. And so he goes through the progression, Jonathan, and he says, you know, a carrot and a pot of boiling water turns soft. You know, it's people, and in a tough situation. They get soft and sad and weak. He said the egg in that pot of boiling water called, called prison turns hard. You know, the heart gets hard. You can turn hard and mad and mean. But he said the coffee bean, the smallest of these three things, he said small like you, West, had the power to change the entire atmosphere inside that pot. And he said everybody in life puts out energy, negative or positive. He said whatever kind of energy you put out, you attract back. It's called the law of attraction. 
And so he's telling me that you can either attract negativity with your negative, you know, your negative body language. Or you can walk around that person with a smile on your face and let those guys are not getting to you and attract the other positive inmates. And the last thing this Mr. Jackson tells me before I get on the prison bus to be shipped to prison, he tells me, Wes, go out there and go be a coffee bean. And, you know, it's one of those conversations in life, Jonathan, that you're like, you know, something just happened there. And if this guy shoot me straight, I'm thinking that if this guy shoot me straight, I won't only, maybe I won't just survive prison, but maybe, maybe I can thrive in it, you know? When, when do you think all, all of your, between your conversations with your mom and uh, Mr. Jackson, now that you reflect back on it, when, when everything started to click of like, those were two of my pivotal foundations of how I'm getting ready to make it, as you call life and styles unit in uh, maximum security prison in Texas is hell on earth. I think it happened. It took me, when I got to prison, it took me two weeks. And if you get the change agent, I mean, you've read the change agent, obviously, man. So it takes takes two weeks to get through the white gangs. And that's what Jackson tells me. He, Jackson told me prison's all about race. He said it's the most disgusting environment you've ever seen. It's the black guy telling me this, man. He, you know, he's telling me the rules about prison because the blacks have the number that whites don't have the same rights they do in the free world. So he said you're going to experience something totally different than what you're used to. And uh, so he told me I'll have to fight the white gangs first, and the black gangs are coming after them. They're going to try to break me and get me to go with my own race. But I tell you, the crystallizing moment was whenever I went out. It was took two weeks to get to the white gangs. About four weeks after that, I'm still fighting the black gangs. So I'm about six weeks into prison, and I head out to the basketball court one Monday morning because the basketball court is the most racially charged, segregated place, you know, segregated part of the prison. And I decided I'm going to go get myself in a basketball game that day where no white guys are allowed. But, you know, my attitude is like, hey, Jonathan, if i got to fight these guys, Anyway, I'm going to fight them playing sports. I'm an athlete. And, man, I got out there for six days of the most brutal basketball you can imagine. It was more like hockey and rugby than it was basketball. And there's no guards. There's no referees. There's no such thing as a foul. But after six days of going out there and just showing, you know, some guts and some grit and never getting racial with those guys, it's one of the things they said, man. The guy, they were like, you know, you took everything we had. And you gave it back when you could. You never got racial with us. You never called us any names. And they said, man, you don't have to worry about the blacks the rest of the time you're in prison, man. You're good with us. And that was the moment that I realized that Mr. Jackson was putting my life for a reason, that what he was talking about made sense. You see, up to that point, I was mad at Jackson. Jonathan, I was mad at the guy because he gives me this fable about this carrot, this egg, and this coffee bean, but he never gave me a how-to guide. He didn't give me an instruction manual. And at that point, whenever the threat of violence was lifted off of me and I could go on living my life and work on myself being a coffee bean, you know, I knew watching all those guys in that basketball court, the way they changed with my appearance, that the coffee bean was a powerful message. Because you, you can't take away, you take away can't be Jonathan, that this scared white guy goes out there and he earns everybody's respect and he, he stood up for himself. We get that. That's obvious. Think about it deeper. Think about all these black guys on that court. They've been conditioned. They've got a bad belief system themselves. Their bad belief system for 20 years, some of them, tells them that a white guy doesn't belong in their world, on their court. But in six days, they felt something that made a change. In six days, they all became coffee beans. And it's that moment that I realized that, hey, this is going to happen, man. I got a chance 
to look at prison as an opportunity instead of a punishment, and I can really transform my life inside this living hell of a prison. And and that's what I did, Jonathan. Damon West, our uh, guest, uh, author of The Change Agent, How a Former College Quarterback Sentenced to Life in Prison, Transform His World. Uh, Damon, one of the key things is your mom told you was to get on God's back. And uh, as you said, let, let don't come back the man that you weren't raised by them. And uh, you got on God's back in prison as a part of your transformation. And uh, how did that help you get to the point of where you got paroled and kind of where you are today? Yeah, man. So, I mean, my mom had these prayer plaques I mean, she's got crosses and prayer plaques around the house still. My, my parents are still alive. They've been married for two years. So I didn't come from a broken home, but my mom has a tremendous faith in Christ. And so she was reminding me in county jail to get on God's back, like the little prayer plaque that she had on my wall as a kid growing up, footprints in the sand. And so I did, man. I, you know, part of the story and the success that I had in prison and in the free world, excuse me, the free world now is that I had to surrender, Jonathan. I had to, sur- I had to, you know, people in life think they have control over a lot of things. And I learned when I was in prison that I really only control four things. You know, I control what I think, what I say, what I feel, and most importantly, everybody's going to see what I do. And outside of those four things, I call that my line. That's a little bitty line. It's about an inch long in the grand scheme of things because God's line is infinitely long one horizon the universe the other it's just it's arc is so big but on god's line are all the other things in life it's like with the coronavirus stuff and everything going on right now you know if the white house would just call me jonathan and ask me how to fix all this stuff i've got the answer for him but no one's calling me because it's not on my line right but but i control how i respond to it you know and every day that i woke up inside that prison just like every day that i wake up now i have to decide how i'm going to respond to the world around me because I control those things. And it's when we get in trouble in life when we give up control of those things, when we abdicate control over our four little things that we become prisoners too. And I tell people on the free, in the free world, I've been out for four and a half years now, that you can take what I'm about to say from the standpoint of a guy that's lived almost 10 years in a maximum security prison or the fact that, you know, once I got out of prison, I went and got my master's degree in criminal justice and I'm a professor at the University of Houston downtown now. Jonathan, I teach a class. Get this, I teach a class called Prisons in America. And, I mean, what world does that happen in that a guy that was in prison in America four and a half years ago now teaches about it? So I tell people that you can take what I'm about to say from the, the, the rationale that I lived in prison or that I teach about prisons, but I know for a fact what the toughest prison in America is. The hardest place to do time in the United States of America is the prison of your mind. I meet more people out here that are locked up, Jonathan, than I ever did when I was in prison, man. More people are in prison by their thoughts and by their things than by steel bars and barbed wire and concrete. And my life, my backstory has given me this tremendous perspective on what a bad day really looks like. And so far, Jonathan, since I walked out of prison on November 16, 2015, on a lifetime of parole, I have not seen a really bad day. Yeah, I mean, your story is amazing. And uh, the one thing I found fascinating with your book is that uh, you kept prison diaries while you were uh, locked up in maximum security. When, when did you decide that you were going to keep prison diaries in, in, in prison? And then uh, when did you decide, hey, look, I'm going to turn my story into a book and then we'll get to where you are today right after that? 
<laughs> it's crazy, man. It's a good question. I started keeping a diary and just kind of putting my life on paper when we were locked down because a guy named David Puckett escaped back in 2011. It was March of 2011. I'll never forget. I mean, there's some events for prison that you don't forget. That, that escape put us on a lockdown for over 40 days, almost two months of lockdown. And I had a lot of time on my hands, and I thought, you know, now's the time, you know, I've got this time on my hands. Let me go ahead and put this story, start putting this story to paper. And when I got out of prison, a buddy of mine named Jeff Boyd, a fraternity brother and great friend of mine that has stayed in touch with me. And even when I got out of prison, he donated me a bunch of clothes because we're about the same size. And he got in touch with me about six months out of prison. He said, hey, man, didn't you keep a journal while you were in there? I was like, yeah. He said, you mind if I read some of it? So I said, no, I don't mind if you read all of it. So I sent it over to him. And he, you know, he said he said he's got a buddy that's a literary agent named Alex Glass. And he said, do you mind if I share this with my literary agent friend? And then Alex Glass got in touch with me, and he said, hey, man, this is a book. He said, you know, and I told him, I said, if it's a book, the best chapters haven't been written yet. I need to go out and find a way to put back in the stream of life. I need to be a servant leader in the free world and earn my place and write those better chapters. And Alex said, when you do that, let me know. We'll publish this thing. And, I mean, you know, the rest is history. That book got published in March of 2019, and it's done really well. In fact, they're making a movie. I mean, Lionsgate Film has the option on it. To make, they're making a movie out of it. It'll be like a Netflix limited series, like eight episodes. So it's just kind of mind-boggling, you know? Yeah, I, I told uh, my wife right after I got done reading, and I said this, this would be an incredible uh, movie if they could <laughs> – piece it all together is just the way the story plays out it's, it's quite a story of redemption of uh and, and to, to today of where you are now that you're out of prison it's not like hey look i'm, I'm free you, you you made the choice and and damon uh, dabo sweeney nick saban lincoln riley uh, all those guys uh you, you've had an impact on, on their teams and uh what they've done with their football programs as well yeah you know jonathan a lot of a lot of what happens in life is god puts people in your path man and and that you got to be receptive to that. Jack, Mr. Jackson was one of them. You know, when you're younger, it's teachers, it's coaches that guide you from one stage of life to the next. Dabo Sweeney is a guy like that, man. I met Dabo at an award show in Houston one night, and, you know, Dabo listened to my presentation in August of 2017 and, and thought it was so impactful that he got on the phone and started calling another college coach. He's the reason why I got in front of Nick Saban and Lincoln Riley and those guys, Gary Patterson, all those guys. And – Dabo went and told me, he told me after I spoke, he said, Damon, I'm, gonna, I'm stealing the coffee bean. He said, I love that. You know, because Dabo's big thing at Clemson is the inside out. Everything happens from the inside out. So Dabo has made the coffee bean part of the culture at Clemson, that amazing culture that everybody talks about where he's taking a program from down in the dumps to be the best in college football. Their team motto last year, Jonathan, was be a coffee bean. He makes shirts that say be a coffee bean. This past summer, he had a, a virtual fundraiser last month in July. My wife and I went to South Carolina to be guests in Clemson with Dabo and Kathleen for their fundraiser for the All In Foundation. And I gave a presentation that night, and the whole theme of the fundraiser for the foundation was be a coffee bean. Because being a coffee bean means that, you know, the outside influences of the world, everything going around you, the stuff you don't control doesn't change the person you are inside unless you allow it to because the power is on the inside. And a coffee bean, you know, in a pot of boiling water 
has the ability to impact that boiling water in a way that the carrot and the egg don't. And the world right now, Jonathan, is in such a pot of boiling water. And I'm not just talking about the coronavirus, man. I'm talking about, you know, with the economy. I'm talking about with race, man. With Since the murder of George Floyd and all this stuff came up to the surface, you know, everybody's, you know, the racial thing has become big. And, and I mean, it's, it's one of those things where that's something I've talked about in front of college teams for over a year now. I mean, I've talked about the racial stuff because I don't think enough white people understand racism to go around talking about it. And I think that more, more, more people, more white people, more people that look like you and look like me would like to say the right thing, would like to say what's going to get us to the next phase of this thing. But it's a hard place to come from for a lot of white people because here's the deal, Jonathan. Racism, in order for racism to exist, there has to be an imbalance of power. And the imbalance of power means that one side has the power to enact laws and affect the way you live. So it's really hard for a white person in America, it doesn't happen often for a white person in America to experience racism. Uh, you know, but as a white person, you can say, well, you know, that person of color, uh, they said something to me that was prejudiced, or they, they acted prejudiced, because that's what that is, is prejudice. Prejudice means to prejudge. But racism is something that, you know, it's, it's hard for a lot of white people to understand racism, because we don't get to experience racism in the world. But I have, Jonathan. I have experienced racism in that effect in prison, where the numbers are upside down, where I've had my face kicked in because of the color of my skin, where I can't sit on a bench in the day room because I'm not black. And so I go into these rooms and I try to bring something to, to the players. And, and the black players listen to me. They're nodding their heads because they understand what I'm saying. And they're hearing a white guy say it for the first time sometimes. And the white guys are hearing what I'm saying, and they're like, you know what, that's cool. I've never heard a white guy say that before. But I tell them in every room I go to, Jonathan, that my experiences make me feel like I feel compelled to share this, that, that look, if you're a black guy in America, you don't have the same luxuries as a white guy does necessarily to do the same thing, especially these college teens, man. You can't go around and do some of the things you see your white friends doing. You can't get in the system. Jonathan, because the, the system... The criminal justice system, the reality is there's more than one criminal justice system in America. There's a black one, there's a white one, there's a brown one, there's a rich one, there's a poor one, there's one for cops. You know, and it depends on who you are on that spectrum that kind of determines what kind of justice you can expect to receive in this country if you get in the criminal justice system. But in these rooms that are predominantly black, I'm telling these guys, one out of every four black, guy in this, black men in this country is in the criminal justice system. The system is a machine with teeth, and the numbers, that's not fair, man. And I realize that. And I'm not there to change the criminal justice system, but I'm there with my story to possibly impact them and give them a warning. Part of the story is a warning about the danger of the drugs, the consequences of bad decisions, and the realities of the world we live in. And the other part is that message of hope, man. Hope and perseverance against the greatest odds possible, because if I could take my situation and go into that giant pot of boiling water that is called maximum security prison, that living hell, as you quoted it, if I can turn my life around inside that environment, then whatever environment you're in, you can too. And that means right now, you know, in the racial stuff in America, the way we get to the other side of that is more people that look like you and me, Jonathan, have to get off the sidelines and get in the game. And we get in the game first by listening. We've got to listen 
to what other people are saying. We'll listen to what people of color are saying, and then we've got to get involved at the grassroots level and be proactive and demand that kind of change. But it's only going to happen when we get together and listen, Jonathan. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the country and uh, everywhere needs needs to come together, and uh, everybody needs to, to listen to understand, as one of the local pastors said here one day on Pirate Radio, because uh, you tend not to like somebody. If, if you understand them, it's going to be hard not to, you're not going to, you know, you're going to like them a lot better once you begin to listen and understand them. And so uh, there's just a lot of that that needs to go on in this world, and uh, you're doing a tremendous job. Your, your book's an inspiration. Uh, in your book, you say that uh, you're not you're not here to pay it back. You you want to pay it forward, and I, and I guess that's what you're going to continue to do on a day in and day out basis. Yeah, you know, and that's what I, I found that that my life is best used as a servant leader and paying it forward. It's a, it's, it goes back to a conversation I had with a, a, a former cellmate of mine. It's, it's, it's a black guy from Dallas named Sabor. His real name is Isaac, but he goes by the name Sabor. He's a Muslim guy. Those guys changed their name to a Muslim name, so he went by the name Sabor. Really intelligent kid. We used to sit around and talk in our cell all the time about life, social issues, race, everything, you know. So he's really getting a different perspective about about life because he's got this white guy that's a cellmate that, that says stuff to him he's never heard before. So on the way out the door of prison, you know, I've got I've got my mattress under one arm. I've got my, my bags with me, and Sabor stops me. And he's telling me, he's like, congratulations, Wes. I'm so happy for you, happy for your family. He said, I got one question for you, though. And I'm like, what? What's up, Sabor? He said, are you going to talk about the stuff you saw in here? And what he's talking about is about race and everything, both sides, black on white, white on black. But everything I saw in there, the social justice stuff, the, the criminal justice system, he said, are you going to talk about what you saw in here? And I said, Sabor, you know I will, man. When I get on my feet, I promise you I will. And Jonathan, he looked at me, and he said something that I'll never forget. He says, good. Sometimes they lock up the right guy. And I've never forget, forgotten that, Jonathan. Sometimes they lock up the right guy. Yeah. That's... And I feel, Jonathan, like I'm that right guy because I've gotten this unusual, crazy, insane backstory, but it gives me currency to go in different places where not everybody gets to go. And I've got this ability to, to transcend all these dangerous topics because of what God has allowed me to go through because I, I know that I can be a messenger for a message of peace and unity, you know? Absolutely, and uh, you're doing cool stuff. I mean, obviously, talking to Clemson and Alabama football teams are, are great, but you're, you're going to prisons, you're talking to, to other groups or anybody that will hear your message. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I tell people all the time, I'm so Dabo and, and Nick Saban, all those guys that I love coming in and speaking to teams. It's really neat to get to see the inner workings of these major, you know, programs. But the thing I get the most joy out of is going back into prisons, man. Going back into a prison where every man and woman inside the institution, they're looking at every speaker that comes into prison, and they're thinking, well, he doesn't know what it's like to be in my situation, but they can't say that with me because I, I've been in one of the toughest prisons in America. Or they can't say, well, he doesn't know what it's like to have a tough sentence, a big sentence like me. I've gotten life, man, so I've got all those boxes. And I know what they go through on a daily basis, and they know that I've been through it too. So when I go into a prison, 100% of the people I'm talking to in that room are locked in because they want what I've got. They want what I've got, 
And what I've got in the message I'm bringing brings them hope. And hope is one of those things. Man, if you can bring another human being hope, Jonathan, that is what you're on this earth for, man. I don't care what other stuff you're attracted to in life, money and all this other stuff that some people get caught up in. Man, if you can bring hope to another human being that's struggling, that is what living is all about, brother. Well, that's what you're doing, and uh, Damon, I appreciate you sharing some time with us and uh, our audience here in uh, Pirate Radio, and uh, I, I highly recommend your, your books, The Coffee Bean, and of course, uh, The Change Agent. You know, it, it was just a very powerful book to read. It, it's just a phenomenal story you have, and I think what you're doing now after the fact that you've been out, and, and for people that still that are listening that you're still on parole but uh, you, you, it still doesn't change uh, what you do your, your your message is powerful and you want to get out there as many ways as possible absolutely john and i appreciate you know the endorsements from you and i appreciate the time with you uh and anytime you want to call and talk sports or something like that on your show you got my number give me a call but you know jonathan we make our life what we want it to be you know and you've got a choice every single day of what kind of day you want to have. But here's the cool thing, Jonathan. If you slip up and you have a bad day, you can start your day over at any time. I want your listeners to understand that, what I'm saying. And, and I'll give you an example. What I'm saying is that, you know, right now it's almost 2 o'clock on the East Coast where, where we're talking right now. If you're having a bad day right now, stop. Go find a mirror anywhere in the house, in the car, wherever. Look at that mirror and look at that person looking back at you. That person looking back at you is the only person that can hold you back and put limits on you. No one puts limits on you but you. And you look at that person in that mirror and say, stop it enough. You're going to have a good day and turn it around right now. Be a coffee bean. Be a coffee bean. That's what it's about. Damon West, uh, great stuff today. DamonWest.org uh, to learn more about his story and to uh, get a hold of these books. Uh, Damon, thanks for your time. We'll certainly be back in touch and uh, have to talk about the crazy world of sports coming out soon. Awesome, man. Thanks a lot, Jonathan. Thank you. Special thanks to Damon West for his time today and thanks to you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Damon West as much as I did. Remember, you can learn more about Damon and his inspirational story at DamonWest.org. We'll be back very soon with another edition of the all-new Pirate Radio Podcast. In the meantime, be sure to visit our website, PR927FM.com, and to follow us on social media at PR927FM to keep up with the latest news and information. Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to the Pirate Radio Podcast, an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation.